Hi, welcome to Season 2 of the Silverline Podcast, an audio version of our video streams that we hold weekly. They're edited a little bit to make them a little more concise. My name is Roland Mann. I'm the head honcho at Silverline, and we have a great time making fun comics that we think that you'll enjoy. So thank you for listening, and maybe go check out some of our comics if you haven't already. This episode is titled Creating New Worlds. It originally aired January 12th, 2022. It's um, uh, it's hard to uh, elevate Amer- awesome American history any more uh, awesomer, um, but we wanted to <laughs> we wanted to take a steampunk feel and add it to American history because everything um, steampunk is is eighteen hundreds England, um, pretty, for the most part. Um, for the most and, part. And uh, then Rory and I were said, hey, well, why don't we just back it up a few years? It's got to start somewhere. And um, where better than uh, 1770s in uh, America, where it was just ripe for a story world and people to pick from. Um, And we we immediately decided we don't want to change real history uh, because uh, we don't want to take away from any real accomplishments or uh, real uh, people doing things. And some of those those real people have real descendants. And... um, we didn't want to uh, uh, to take away from that. So um, the uh, American uh, continent, especially the Northeast, um, makes it geographically a little easier too for us um, to, <laughs> drive. Uh, to, yeah, to drive a few hours east and um, easy to do the research. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's there's so much that's documented as, as well. Oh yeah, it was incredibly um, well documented. Yeah. So, um, but then. At that point, uh, on that point, we um, we picked a lot of stuff that uh, wasn't well documented. We really wanted to, that that made it a little easier, actually, because um, we wanted to avoid nitpickers. Um, every story has them, um, and especially if we're dealing with real history, we wanted to not give people opportunities to say, ah, "But you know," um, but also <laughs> not not to detract from real accomplishments. So that gives us an opportunity to um, to take. You know, if if an individual is not somewhere and there's no documentation of where was this person or if uh, they don't quite know what happened, um, we can, well, we can put our own story in there. Uh, so oh, yeah. um, it really, for Rory uh, and, and me, the it was, I don't want to say a no-brainer, but also it's a part of history that we just love. Um, mm-hmm. And there was no struggle diving in to um to this story world because i I think i said last week um i was in philadelphia uh almost a decade ago but i was i was on a a walking tour and i'm taking pictures of every sign of every plaque everything (laughs) i said to rory and i'm like we gotta we gotta do this we gotta have this person this this person and i'm trying you know i was i was going crazy and uh, it ended up being of course an incoherent jumble of almost useless information that I bombarded Rory with. Um, but we had, um, actually we, we, we picked a few little things from that. I mm-hmm. think, I think they stayed in there, um, which is storytelling really. Um, people, when you're writing a story, you, you have tomes of information that you have to distill down. Right. Um, That's the long to, part, distilling right, it down yeah, to, uh, to something uh, digestible and enjoyable. So um, this story world, we also realized too, that uh, we, 
it really could almost be a limitless world if we if we want if we want to spin off this way or have a person this way. Uh, of course, we're going to stick to our main story for now. Um, but if, if we want to keep creating our story world in the American steampunk genre, um, there's nothing stopping us. And, and chronologically either we could just keep going through a timeline and and then have it meet up with the traditional victorian style steampunk and so forth so uh, yeah yeah, pretty pretty adamant about our parameters being we're not going to quantum leap our protagonist around (laughs) so the world will still be going on around him he's not going to be at every major event yeah just he has his own timeline woven through the world and the world's still going on around him well, uh, before I ask my question, I want to welcome our other whammer, John, John Medic the Third. Hey, JM Three, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Uh, doing good. Good. Sorry about good that. A little bit of thanks. A little technical difficulty for whatever reason. The uh, the link wasn't showing up on the PC, so I had to go to the phone, email it over, and get it. So it's, uh, uh, it's no worries. I have everybody. to do that every time. Do you? Okay, so it's yeah. not just me. I'm in good company. You know, thanks, Rob. It, no, it will <laughs> so. not. It will not go from from Messenger. He sends it to me in. Uh, Facebook Messenger. Uh huh. Yeah. Exactly. And I open it up there, and a window opens, and then nothing happens. Oh, weird. Right. Yeah. Messenger yeah. won't give me anything so, but the last message, and I I don't know. But I'm just glad to be here. I've got to do something to lift my PC up, otherwise I'm like going to be looking down all day because I got my camera up there. So <laughs> gotcha. if I uh, step out for a second, that's why. But <laughs> no worries. Glad you're here. Yeah, so uh, uh, back to the question, Rory. Um, when you guys were uh, deciding to connect your world, uh, which is really it's a blend, obviously, of, of actual history and then the fictional characters. Did it occur to you that um, the fact that you had historical characters was going to instantly be compelling to people who are fans of American history already? Right. Oh, so you had a built-in audience to a degree. Yeah, yeah, and we were we were banking on it. But like Scott said, those we we knew from the get go that there would be nitpickers and naysayers. Like, well, that didn't actually happen. He wasn't actually there, right. which is why we, we were so heavy handed with actual historical historical accuracy. Right, 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 right. And the research so, but, that goes along with it is mountains, mountains of books. Right. Oh man. Well, I mean, how how much would you say, like, if you're the, the the history you're trying to keep the integrity of the backdrop of history intact so you're not you're not going to change what actually happened what you're doing is is carefully threading in between historical mm-hmm. is that fair to okay yeah, that's, yep, perfect. that's perfect yep okay so uh does that does that bring uh a lot of challenges to like like you know the creative side where you go hey wouldn't it be cool if uh, but how are we going to do that? Yep. I mean, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we are we are restrained quite often. We will come mm-hmm. up with an idea, and we have to stop. Sometimes, sometimes it's good. We'll go down the rabbit hole of like what actually happened on. So our story starts in the end of August 1776, and we mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't need to know. Familiar. Yeah, it's a it's a good year. Good year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we needed to know when things wrapped up, where people were for the most part, and so. When we come up with our next idea, we want to find. We're like, okay, wait, was General such and such here at this time, or was this what? Did, what, what was the weather? Um, it, it. We want it to be accurate. We also don't want it to <coughs> to stop everything, but um, we 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 do want to follow what what really happened, and we will come up with a, a crazy idea, and then sometimes we have to be like, mm, we'll save that. Uh, yeah. it, it doesn't fit for um, our bizarro universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are, Are you gonna? gonna- 
have a Kelvin timeline and we'll uh... – <laughs> uh, No, no. I was going to say, please, please don't enter the time-altering no, universe. No, no, I don't have the brain power to do time travel. I, 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 I would, I, too no. much work. Our timelines are – we already look like lunatics with our with our red threads yeah, and our pins yeah. and our timelines. Oh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> so it's kind of like a beautiful mind. Exactly. Minus yeah, yeah. Conley. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, yes. there. yeah. But if you insert Ben Franklin – and no Jennifer Connelly. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a name, right? Trade off. <laughs> that's it. That 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 brings me to my my question here. Um, what about any characters, perhaps love interests for our lead, that are going to also fit into the world, maybe as actual figures or as invented? Have you guys thought about? Certainly, we yeah. We we have. <laughs> okay, um, and we I, made I an agreement. I don't want to reveal anything. So oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You can tease without revealing. We, we are the, if if this is successful and our story keeps yes. going, we will follow Felix mm-hmm. through the war, and there will be plenty of opportunities for uh, new characters and character development and his personal growth and his interrelational growth. So, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds. So really you're cool. allowing them to do fan dancing. <laughs> <laughs> two Star Trek references in without, oh. he's without revealing anything isn't oh, that what yeah. fan dancing it's, is that's good absolutely very good. It's, it's very good you know because of that comment Rob you're next you have to talk okay. about no good deal All right, well, I... go, go for it how do you create worlds for your uh, characters and how do you make them uh, compelling but also fit into some sort of level of connectivity to the real world so that there's a level of believability for you. <laughs> well, I go, I go on Google and I, I search for things that uh, are similar to what I'm trying to create. Oh, and I take, okay. I take those and build on them. I'll, I'll, I'll do composites in Photoshop of this okay. element that I pulled from here and put that in this element and, I will either throw it on the light box and actually copy it onto the page or I'll print it out and set it off to one side of the drawing board so that uh, it, it inspires whatever I'm drawing. Of course, usually the, uh, the, the world that I'm doing has been is prefab. The writers already kind of come up with the ideas. They kind of describe what they want. Then I have to make it come to life. Uh, okay. So, and then it, for a long time, I was working on the Star Trek books. And of course, that world is already created, but occasionally yes. they would get outside of what, you know, they'd get off the ship or they'd get off the, the space station. And I'd have to figure out, well, what does the rest of that universe look like? Because you've got mm-hmm. hints, you've got hints, but uh, especially early on, on, in Deep Space Nine, uh, we only ca- caught glimpses of Bajor and or Cardassia or any of that stuff. Right. So I had to right. I had to take the clues that I was given and create something out of that. And there was that was kind of fun actually. Is uh-huh. uh, you know it was a nice little mental exercise where I would have to come up with what this stuff looked like. But most of the time on the Star Trek stuff, all I had to do was go to the go to the shows and pull pull up an episode and I'd go, oh yeah, that's that section of the ship. I'll have to I'll have to to make a copy of that picture and that particular scene and i'll use that but uh or you know here's a panel that i've got to draw you know they're they're punching buttons on a panel well this is the panel i need 
need right here. So I had lots of research for that. But uh, like for Twilight Grimm, uh, <laughs> I actually took a, uh, a a big city. I think it's I think it's in the Middle East. I pulled up Google and I and I I, I forget forgot what I punched in as the the qu- query. But mm-hmm. it brought up all these futuristic-looking skyscrapers, and I went perfect. I'm not sure where it was. I, th- I believe it's uh, Dubai. The, Dubai. It yeah. might be Dubai. Dubai, because uh, it, yeah, it's got all these weird-looking uh, yeah. futuristic-looking buildings. Yeah, so I just used right. that. I put that on the light table. I copied that sucker. Uh, Good for you, man. I've got I Dubai showing up in one of my stories too. <laughs> Yeah, I would sometimes so it doesn't look exactly like that, or I'd move yeah. buildings around in Photoshop. But uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. the, it's so futuristic looking that it was it was a no brainer to throw that in there. And then the other side of the city that Twilight Grim uh, takes place in, we've got we've got the rich side, and then we've got the vampire side. That's that should be like uh, uh, apocalyptic looking. Okay. So you just go back to you know, uh, you can you punch that into Google and you, there's a ton of stuff that'll pop oh, yeah. up for that as well. And then you just oh, yeah. kind of pick and choose and go, okay, well. And then at one point I had to have a theater uh, for a battle to take place in, so I went to the 1930s theaters and pulled those up because they, you know, they're going to look old and kind of. And if you play with them a little bit, they'll look dilapidated. And uh-huh. uh, so, so yeah, you just, so th- that's how I visually create uh, stuff like that. I, I try to get the feel right. Read, okay. read through the whole story, get the feel for how the place is. You know, Cause when I read that, there's a movie going in my head. I, yeah. I hear, I hear the sounds about the only thing I don't is smell. I don't smell yeah. the smoke <laughs> or any of that, right. but I, I do, right. I do see it and, and, and I even sometimes taste it, but, uh, right. but it, I've, I've got all that rolling in my head, so then I try and find something that'll that will that I can use that will for a reference for that that'll that'll make it feel proper. So that I, I do I, that. I yeah, do that ahead. as well. I I use visual reference for environments if if it takes place in the real world. But mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm not gonna. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. But do you actually light box it and trace it as it is, or do you yeah, alter sometimes. it? Okay. Sometimes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Both. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, if it's it's a lot quicker if I find something that works perfectly, I throw mm-hmm. it in Photoshop, blow it up to the right size, uh, you know, change things around a little bit in Photoshop itself. Yeah. Uh, print yeah. it out on. I've got I've got a printer that'll print eleven by seventeen, mm-hmm. so I could print out a whole pages where I could actually lay out a whole page in Photoshop. I've done that a few times, but I don't usually do that. I'll just do a panel or two. But if it's like if it's a two-page spread, then definitely I'll I'll you know I'll print it out on eleven by seventeen paper and throw it on the light box. I've even got a light box that's I've got it right here. Show show it to the uh, to the audience. Yeah. Here should be interesting. Eleven by seventeen. Mm. Yeah, I've got that. So that one too. I can yeah. throw a whole page yeah. on there. And, oh yeah, uh, it'll, it'll it'll light up. And hey, have, have you ever bright. heard? Have you ever heard of a site called SketchUp? Do you know what oh, I'm yeah. talking yes. about? Yeah, it's like a okay. isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's a yeah. free uh, – there's several of them. There's a Turbo Squid and a couple of others. What they do is they have uh, models, 3D models of things. Like if you have – like, for example, for me, I would use like a, a Victorian coach 
Um, and you can actually close yeah, move it. Yeah, move the three-dimensional image. Yeah. yeah, and that way mm-hmm. you can get the exact angle that you want. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. behind-the-scenes process stuff. Barb, it's time to uh, to talk to us <laughs> because you write and draw and ink. So um, when you're writing and you're creating the world for Divinity, uh, your award-winning book, um, what um, – what went into that? I know it's based in our world. I mean, it's based in the real world, but were there any enhancements in your mind that you wanted to make to our world to fit the story better? Uh, yes or no. And then if, you know, elaborate on that for us, if you would. Well, I wanted it to be <clears throat> familiar so that the reader could feel like they could walk into the scene at any moment. So I wanted to base it in in our regular world. The only enhancements, obviously, are when Divinity is using her powers, and then there's a glow about her, and they'll you'll see that in uh, throughout. There's a glow when she uh, when she's about the person who's who's being healed too. As far as stretching the bounds of reality, obviously, um, I've got this evil cabal. And you're going to see, <laughs> and you're going to see, you know, some holograms going on, and you know, some floating heads uh, from all over the world. And we're not quite there yet in our world, but we're getting really mm-hmm. close. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I jumped forward about ten years as, as far as that technology is concerned. But um, really, no, I'm just keeping it keeping it real so that you can really relate uh, the the soldier stuff is based very much in reality I do a lot of uh, research um, I've, I've said this before but for anybody new um, I'm a military mom my son is a master sergeant going on 18 years now uh, so I, I like to do my research and you, you uh, Air Force guys out there, if you don't know what a FOD walk is, then shame on you. Um, Chair Force. Huh? Chair what? Force. Bro, I heard that. I heard Oh, oh. Mr. Coast Guardian. Here we go. We're gonna, I'm going I'm to interject here. InfraFan says, do you have, this is for Barb and for Rob, I assume, and possibly uh, for me as well. Do you have more fun working on pre-established worlds or an unwritten one? Rob, take a, take yes. a stab at that. Yes. Uh, okay. okay. Both. He likes uh, both. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I like both, really. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, what well, about you, Barb? For this first book, and I have other ideas in the back of my head, but the for the first one, I went with uh, something a little safer and to get myself established, so I, I went with the the world that we're living in right, right now. If I have an opportunity to do to the other book that I have in my head, it's very much happening in this world, but with fantasy creatures. So, um, yeah. Ooh. So it would be a kind of that a could world, be fun. Yeah, it would be world building to a certain extent because it would be um, like centaurs and trolls and stuff like that. That oh wow that walk our world and always have. So how did that come about that, you know, it's like, hi, Ralph, hi, Stan, yeah. you know, and, and, and stands, <laughs> stands a centaur and, uh, 
but that would that would pre, that would mean that I would have to do a certain amount of world building in the fact that um, when did all of this when did they step out of the shadows and become a part of our our real world? You know? Right. But it is um, cool to take our real world sometimes and just much like J.K. Rowling did, right? Mm-hmm. And and throw, add throw that a monkey wrench into it, yeah. Yeah, throw a monkey wrench into it and bring fantasy elements into it. Um, I'll answer in for fan as well. Uh, I have more fun working on unwritten worlds because by definition, um, there's more freedom there. And so mm-hmm. I've worked I've worked on a Lucasfilm project before when I, when I did Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. And uh, they were very kind, but it was also uh, very much working within their world. Uh, when I worked on uh, Batman for DC, I was sent, uh, uh, which is, I still have it, it's really cool, Batman Bible, they used to call it, which is a style guide for the cave and the gadgets and the, the visual cues that had to be in the shots. Um, and that that's fun to play in those established popular worlds, but it's uh, much more fun to play in an unlimited universe actually so, uh, i'm going to go back here a little bit and i this okay. is not the first writing i've ever done for silverline i do have one other published story and that was for elf quest which was yeah. definitely not our world and they have yes. a whole yeah. they have a whole bible written about uh what the world of two moons is about and the technology that and the words that you can use uh and it has to be words that wouldn't naturally pop into your head as an as a human on Earth. Like, huh. they, don't, like they wouldn't say, oh, gee whiz. Or, you know, they, it would be their own made-up Golly language. gee. Yeah, golly gee. <laughs> well, Wowzer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. But so we're writing that, all that into right. Steam Patriots. Is that strange? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they got boxy, kids. Point, they would Jimmy say something Jillikers. like, Jimmy more like Jimmy <laughs> They'd say something more like, oh, Zwoot spit. You know? <laughs> right, right. It's interesting uh, that, that that's also a part of world building is um, vernacular, right? Mm-hmm. You want to create a vernacular that's indigenous to the world you're creating. So, uh, you know, Scott and Rory have to have to deal with the vernacular from the uh, 18th century, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, what did they use for exclamatories, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And uh, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I hate to tell them, but the F word has been around for centuries. Yeah, it's been around. Oh, yeah, 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 that one's been around. It's Anglo-Saxon. It goes way back. Way, 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 way back. Yeah. So that, that brings us to our friend JM3, as I like to call him. That's JM3. your, uh, that's your, yeah, that's your, <laughs> that's your call sign. You're, cool. you're an agent, as far as I'm uh, concerned. Let me go ahead, and I will, I'll change my name on that once I'm done talking. Um, but going back to world building and vernacular yeah. and language and yeah, everything, yeah. Um, there's something yeah. that always makes me think when we have these discussions. Um, one of my favorite movies of all time outside of the Holy Trilogy, you know, Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi, um, yes. is Heather. <laughs> if anybody's ever seen Heather's. Yeah, um, seen Christian it. Slater, yeah. Winona Ryder, late 80s, a uh, movie that they could not make today. Uh, What's it called? Uh, Heather's. 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 Like the yes. name plural. Yes. So if you dark, had a nice dark school, comedy, yeah, yeah. very yeah. dark comedy. Um, mm-hmm. If there was no Heather's, there would have been no Mean Girls. Uh, but it, it's like Mean Girls with a body count and much <laughs> better. Oh yeah, and so much better. Uh, it, it's fantastic. Yeah. And the writer of that film actually made sure that he didn't want to date his film. 
by using slang of the time, which obviously oh, wow. outdates their you know a movie immediately. Yeah. Uh, so like all the slang is created and used throughout the film, but it's nothing that ties it to any time period. He created his own slang, so it's really a timeless piece, which is kind of cool. So as you're talking cool. about, you know, Scott and uh, Rory needing to use slang of that time, and Barb was talking about ElfQuest slang from not of our world, you know, it's uh, if we're talking about in our world, um, being very careful on what we're using for words, because that will also set our piece in a specific time. And we know the slang that Peter Parker was using, you know, in this eight uh, in the '60s versus now. Well, if you just read the captions with no pictures, you're going to yeah. know what time period that book was written in. You know, so that's it was groovy, cool. man. It was groovy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a happening, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, but so on to on to my answering the question. Uh, yeah. yeah. When it comes to world building. Uh, with what I've done with Sniper and Rook. So Sniper and Rook, very timely. Um, I was told I better be on today to uh, sell up Sniper and Rook because that's <laughs> part of the Kickstarter that starts uh, tomorrow. Yeah. And, uh, so Sniper and Whoa. Rook, when I first created them, um, it was actually when I was in college, uh, it was very politically motivated, very um, government, spy, espionage. It was the Cold War days for me. So that was something that was always like near and dear to my heart. So the the phrase that I always kind of liked using, it was our world. It is our world today with a little bit of revisionist history going in there. So things that... You know, people wouldn't have seen when I created these two characters back in 94 of all times. Um, same wow. year that Clerks came out. So kind of yeah. like pulling like references from the past. You know, Kevin Smith was doing that. I was doing it at the same time. Not saying I'm Kevin Smith level. Lord knows my income's not Kevin Smith level. Uh, but, you know, it was kind of like the same mind space. So uh, some people mistakenly think Sniper and Rook take place in the 80s because Sniper has a DeLorean. That's just because it's the greatest <laughs> car ever. Uh, yeah. you know, just under yeah. 9,000 yeah. made. There's still 6,500 of them operational. Because none of them nice. actually ran, John. They didn't <laughs> run. They did run. Ireland. <laughs> Wait until you and I share a room at a con again. Uh, oh, here we go. Was there jumping on the beds? Nobody <laughs> brought his banjo. Yeah, actually, my I have, favorite. Just I have friends, Barb, that will not room with me anymore because of my snoring. I have one I, I friend your who. Pain. He, he launched a pillow at me at like 5 a.m. and said, get out. I don't care where you go. I still feel bad to this day. Uh, yeah. And a couple other people like choose not to room with me anymore. Uh, but yeah, yeah uh, Dean, you were going to say something. Then I'll go back to you. I was just going to I was just going to interject there when you mentioned the DeLorean that uh, my favorite 80s car uh, has to be the Lotus Esprit. Yeah, which is, which is really inspiration a, for the DeLorean. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh the yeah. Lotus. Sorry, I was thinking Lambo from Cannonball Run. No, no, no. Uh, the opening. No, no, no. Two ladies. The, uh, the, well, it's based. Uh, it's so based talking, on actual. I'm talking about James Bond. I was just going to say uh, you're going to take the one with one of the best yeah. Bonds yeah. ever. With I, one of the worst yeah. Bond movies ever. Yeah, I yeah. love Timothy Dalton. So yeah, no, was that the no, one that went no, underwater? No. That one went underwater. That's the that's well, there, the Moonraker. Yeah, there were that's two. There were two Roger lo- Moore. Yeah, Roger Moore had the white Lotus yeah. that went underwater. Yeah. Okay, okay, in mm-hmm. the seventies, and then the other one was used 
uh, I believe there was another Lotus Esprit in the early 80s in The Spy Who Loved Me. So all you Bond mm-hmm. fans out there can uh, correct yeah. me on that. Uh, there's an Aston Martin that looks very much like a Mustang that's mm-hmm. in one of the Timothy Dalton films. I think Maybe it's in Living Daylights. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which, which yeah. my favorite band of all time, Aha, did the theme song for. Just Absolutely. Throw that in there. Absolutely. Um, Just throw that in but, there. So, so, back to so you, back here we go. And so, question. yeah, getting back to world building and actually um, yeah, yeah. all this ties together like a great big puzzle, as my college, uh, high school teacher used to say. Aha is actually the first words used in the first Viper and Rook. Um, and oh, nice. Oh, yep, that was nice reference. Uh, yep, every wow. one of the first five issues, the title of the issue was an aha album or song title. Uh, huh. And so, you know, there are a lot of things that actually tied it to our world. But again, revisionist history. So, you know, Cold War had ended. You know, we defeated the Soviet Union. Rah, rah, Red Scare is gone, right? Nobody would have thought that they'd be back the way that they are now. But my world, my little tweaks, they didn't crash. There wasn't oh. perestroika that broke out. You know, there wasn't the movement in Poland that moved from Eastern Europe into Soviet Union. So uh, Soviet Union is still a very strong power and still very much an enemy of the United States, much like oh, today. Wow. So, you mm-hmm. know, uh, we're definitely talking 27 years before its time. Uh, if it was published 10 years later, it'd be definitely more of a period piece. Uh, but yeah, so it's, uh, oh, what was it? Um Max Headroom. Every time an episode of Max Headroom started, Ma- thank Ma- you. Ma- yep. Ma- 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 Max Headroom. And they would yep. say, yeah. you know, like 20 yes. minutes into the future. You know, so it's yep. like, this is our yep. future just there. Uh, that's kind of mm-hmm. how I see Sniper and Rook. It's our world is slightly different. Uh, Fringe, mm-hmm. that came out years later, if anybody knows about yeah, like, the, oh, universe, the Red Universe. Yep. I still it. believe I still believe I belong in the Red Universe <laughs> with right. Folivia, right. but that's a whole different story. Yeah, um, oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Folivia. So, anywhere yeah. with Olivia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you know how, how the Red Universe was just slightly different, and you know, the comics were slightly different on the wall. Um, do, do they, they all slick their hair over, right? Whenever it's an alternate universe, like, yeah. they all slick their, and everybody Or they have a goatee. Or if they go bad. Or go you know, I can't, I can't believe you just said that, Dean, because I was just going to say to Scott, I was like, every bad guy in the Beta 3 universe also has facial hair. So if you see somebody with a goatee, they're not <laughs> good, most likely. <laughs> so Scott and Rory oh, and Rob. Rob. Yeah. Rob. Yeah. But so, so yeah, the world building, you know, for Sniper and Rook is very much set in our world it's 99 percent our world that i've just been able to tweak along the way um in talking about building the world and setting the stage for characters uh sniper and rook wound up oh i'm gonna have to get back to info fan in a second that's cool uh but you know the uh, <laughs> the, the plan for sniper and rook because i wanted to be able to write characters first stories yeah. second hmm. i wanted right. characters right. i cared about i loved yeah. the male female duo dynamic i am a child of the 70s and i'm a child of the 80s so like going back to like heart to heart going back yeah. to scarecrow yep. and mrs king um moonlighting, moonlighting. oh my god moonlighting. moonlighting. my kid moonlighting. when he was like five he's like can we watch that tv show with the boy and the girl and i knew <laughs> who he was talking yeah. about you know the yeah. will they won't they you know that's very X-Fi- much- x-files x-files yes yep, into the 90s yes so you know that that duo and of course uh roland's you know original writing on cat and mouse very huge yeah. influence on me there so i sure. wanted a guy girl duo you know she has some strengths he has some strengths she has less weaknesses 
because it's real life, you know, women have fewer weaknesses than we do because we're just dumb creatures, um, you know, but it's just to be able to play on that. But as Sniper and Rook are government agents, who what does the government have their hands in? Everything. So do I want to write today a traditional spy story, an espionage story, Sniper and Rook fit? Do I want to write yeah. a story where Sniper and Rook meet um, like aliens and monsters? I did in issue six. So I went from like this spy oh. story to this like aliens and monsters and then back to like introducing some people in, hey, hey, um, introducing, introducing some people with like costumes. So we're going to get into the costume adventurer world and then right. back to more military stuff. And it all makes sense because they are in the government world. Um, and that brings us to Sniper Nurk Area 50, what? Oh. which is going to be launched with Kickstarter Ooh. tomorrow. Whoa. Whoa. Where Sniper Nurk will be back. Nice. You heard it here, people. Mr. and Mrs. Nice. Smith. Yes, agreed, Richard. Mr. Um, and Mrs. Smith. That's another yep. one. Good call. Uh, so, yeah, you know, so thin, it, it makes sense because it's government and that allows me play in every genre. It as does. As it does. Sci-fi, action, adventure, spy, espionage, romance, issue 10. <clears throat> you know, I, I got it all. Can I, can I throw something in? No. Is, yes, right. of course. Scott, go ahead. After you. Oh, no, please. please, please, please no, 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 you. Okay, chipmunk, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> what you doing? I don't know. They're, they're having a polite contest, apparently. Okay. A lot of our stories have something to do with government and the spy types and the military stuff. I wonder what gives it that staying power. Is it because it's in our collective memories from all the shows? In the seventies, eighties, nineties, about well, government can do everything, or is there something? Is there some truth to it? Like I don't know, was it Montauk? Were they trying to make psychic kids or something? What uh, Stranger Things was based on? Like all the weird, the actual weird history that actually happens that gives it credence. Like well, oh yeah, we, we could do some really wild stuff. So it goes you know, back to Mengele and Hitler. Yeah, what? paperclip. Or, yeah. or even farther back if you're talking government. But, you know, Rory, you're absolutely yeah. right. It's in our collective, you know, consciousness, government or some other power, you know, that yeah. is, you know, I'm not saying like an so, Illuminati, yeah. but yep. um, since you're talking about like being, you know, with us being, you know, children of media of our times, mm-hmm. um, Knight Rider. Okay. Oh, the, the quest it. of the man, oh, man, you know, the man who does not exist. He's not working for the government, but he's working for night industry. You know, yeah. contractor. contractor. Yeah. Now you sound like Kirk. <laughs> oh, you know, the contractor's on the Death Star. Uh, yeah. You know. Uh, so there's there was always some sort of power structure organization behind things. So I think that's probably why a lot of us do pull. From that source material, so it's got to have a, a, a basis in reality. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. things are funny because it trying, does. Yeah, know. it does. That's part of it. The the other thing I'd like to suggest you guys to think about is uh, one of one of the uh, tentpole franchises, of course, that that backs up the spy genre is is Bond. Right. Mm-hmm. So if we go back, Ian Fleming was writing from experience as he was part of the English intelligence community. Um, during World War II, but also uh, the threat at the time was the rise of the Soviet Union after World War II. 
Um, so there was the Cold War, but with few exceptions, um, instead of Bond directly fighting the Soviets, which he did both liter in the literary Bond and in film, there was always uh, this third party, whether it was an organization like Spectre. There's usually a mm -hmm. criminal organization yes. that's manipulating the nations against one another so then they can swoop in when, when they're the others are weak and take over. Right. So I'm wondering in your case, uh, John, um, are you sort of saying, okay, the Soviets are bad guys, but then they're actually being manipulated by this other like Illuminati level organization. Are you just sticking with those guys are the bad guys? That's it. Um, How are you playing that? I don't want to ruin anything for anybody who hasn't read the original series yet. But okay. You, okay. You're, you're okay. on to some stuff, you know, because it can okay. be, like you said, uh, oftentimes another organization. Um, right. Or it could be individuals within existing organizations with their own agendas manipulating things right. um, almost like a shadow government. Let's just say that. Yes. Or finding yes. power structures. Yes. Even when they've been removed from their own, you know, existing power structure, Bond versus PTA, right? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, really even when they've been removed great. from that power structure, <laughs> where else have they already, uh, you know, al aligned themselves, or what have they put aside in waiting to launch? Um, and talking, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was going to say it's interesting how in the early years of the classic comic characters, let's say, for example, Captain America, right? He was straight up fighting Nazis. Oh, yeah. Punching Hitler on the cover. Yep. Right <laughs> you know cover. what I'm saying? So imagine doing that now, right? So imagine trying to sort of go there. It'd be a different, I mean, you're, you're walking in a very interesting minefield at that point mm -hmm. uh, because people seem to not they don't want to associate too much with the real world. So it would almost be like, for example, if we use China as uh, an enemy, right? An adversary in, in a fictional spy story, you would almost feel pressured to make it. Well, it's, it's kind of China, but it's really this third party that's right. manipulating China. Again. You know what I mean? There, so yep. it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dilemma as a writer because, or as a world creator, I should say, because do you want to go into the real world too far? Because it can get really dark if you go too real. Does and that, that's, does one that of the sense? Things, that's one actually, um, I, I've got two things on there. If I remember both, um, yeah. one of them is like the MCU. So we're all MCU fans to some degree, I would hope, uh, cause there's some great stuff there and who was the big bad organization Hydra. Right. Uh, but we know red skull was a Nazi straight up, right. you know, from the comics originally. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember who it was from Marvel. But Marvel specifically said they're never going to say Nazi. They're never going to use the Nazi symbols. It's not going to be that party because they don't want children playing with Nazi toys. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty oh. illuminating. They don't want like a little Nazi action figure. I'm like, that makes sense. Okay. So you got the Hydra action figure as the surrogate. 
you know, um, just little Nazis, get yours now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> little <laughs> Nazis. <laughs> That, that's a tagline that should articulate anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll put that on the shall never be used. Uh, but no, you know, that's very, that's very much it, Dean. You know, so, you know, how real do you want to get? Marvel made that decision, you know, you know, for that reason. They that's interesting. Not- I, you know, from, from my experience as a kid growing up uh, a little bit earlier than most of you guys, um, I played with a lot of World War II toys right both gi joe but also building models of both uh allied uh, aircraft and german aircraft right uh mm-hmm. nazi aircraft and <laughs> i'll just tell you i had no compunction to be on the nazi side even yeah. though all their tanks yeah. were cool pretty cool all their planes yeah, were cool yeah. they looked your awesome tanks, yeah. right <laughs> But, but I was they still, were still like, defeated. You know, hey man, we're gonna blow them up because they're right. bad guys, yeah. right? Yeah. So I never, I never really, I never really bought into that whole. Well, we don't want to make Nazi toys. I grew up playing with. I had a Stuka dive bomber that was the coolest looking airplane ever. But I knew it was a bad guy's plane, right? Yeah. So I mean, and what about and what about uh, uh, the Imperial stuff, right? Let's fast forward to Star Wars, right? Let's face it; those guys today. can design stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it looks cool. So by, yeah. by, by extension, if you play with Vader, does that make you like an Imperial sympathizer? Yes. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah, think so. But, but see, exactly with that, Dean, you know, but that is also a fictional fantasy. Yeah. Yes. You I understand. Know, it's, it's I understand not what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah, it is a, yeah. it, it's still the bad guys to some. You know, heroes, right? Right, right. uh, I love this phrase. This has been used before. You know, everybody is the villain in somebody else's story. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. You know, Uh, you remember this, though. I don't know if you guys remember. You can look, you can look it up, man. Uh, they had G.I. Joes from every country, including the Axis powers in World War II. You could buy a Nazi G.I. Joe, you could buy Japanese G.I. Joe. Wow. You could buy, uh, obviously, British, Italian, um, U.S. Uh, they they went they went full on everybody. Uh, so they they were not shying away from you know bad guys uh, being toys. So just interesting observation there from, from that era. Let me throw in one last thing, and then I'll shut up for a little while, just because I want to pitch. Yeah, yeah, sure. Pop something here. Um, okay. <laughs> so years years ago, one of my um, long running friends, the brother from another mother, Michael Kasinger. Mike, if you're seeing this, hey, uh, Mike is one of them who did the pencils for the Kickstarter exclusive cover for the new Sniper Nerf number one that comes out tomorrow on Kickstarter. Tomorrow. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, tomorrow. It's the, I got your Christmas money sale going on here. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, Mike, tomorrow, tomorrow. Uh, he hit me up one time. Uh, there's a comic store in his area that does a book. They actually create a book every year for a free comic book day, and they do different themes. And one year it was steampunk. And so Ooh. Mike hits me up. He's like, I need a short story. I want you to write it for me. I'm like, what's the topic? He's like, steampunk. I'm like, ah, that's not really my thing. So, you know, because it's not something I'm well-versed in, something I'm not that knowledgeable And I don't like writing short stories to begin with. So, you know, when I did Sniper and Rook number seven, it's three short short stories. That was to test myself. When I wrote the one for the Silver Lion holiday special, you know, that just came out, the Christmas Mm -hmm. book, Um, that one was Mm -hmm. even tougher because that was six pages. Oh, my God, that hurt. But, um, so I get, you know, I had to do a steampunk book and I'm like, 
I'm going to start off with an alien. So it's a steampunk <laughs> alien who is basically a bounty hunter. He is transporting his bounty across the galaxy. The bounty, you know, breaks free. The ship crashes into Earth, old Earth. Yeah. And that's how steampunk technology came to Earth. That's cool. The creature that was being um, transported metamorphosized. Was it a Cthulhu? And is the Loch Ness Monster. Oh! So, so the world is built upon our Earth with real Nessie, and that's where Nessie came from. Hey, hey John. Yeah. Next time you say aliens, could you do your hair up like this, please? (laughs) (laughs) Aliens. Aliens. I'm not saying it was aliens. (laughs) Wow. Or some coin. Like the the meme guy? Some coin of extraterrestrial. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. You put like a book in the hairspray in today. I don't know if I want to ruin it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But no, no, no. So, you know, talk about building world. So even when I'm given something saying the topic steampunk, draw me or write me a a story, and then I'll draw it based upon your outline. I still base it in some sort of reality in location with a real earth monster with logic on how it got to be there. And I would love to do more things with her. Uh, so basically the alien dies. Um, a girl finds the, yeah. is that like a real phone? Yeah. Like, those things even exist that's a cord. Oh, wow. Is that a rotary? Like, rotary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's part of this, like that's part that's, of the steampunk stuff, right? Yeah, that's my scanner. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a uh, fax machine too. So that's just, yeah. Wow. So, uh, oh, so, yeah, so a young lady named Mady finds the dead alien carcass with the steampunk um, tools and takes it, and she becomes Mady, the steam maiden. And you know the future adventures of her would be moving forward on now what she's going to do with these newfound tools and technology. So uh, if you want to do a crossover, guys, you're doing Steam Patriots. I I got Steam Aliens. I got Steam Maiden. (laughs) I got the Loch Ness Monster. Is it just called Alien Punk? Or uh, is that... No, no, it's actually <laughs> called Mady the Steam Maiden. No, 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 I'm oh. saying like there's there's Diesel there's Punk, there's Cyberpunk. Nuke Punk. There, there's Steampunk. There's we call Cyberpunk. Punk. Medic Punk. Medic Punk, yes. yes. I love it. I love yes. it. <laughs> so anyway, wow. back, Steam, back to you. I promised I'd shut up after that one. <laughs> oh, Rob. wow. I mean, hey, we're Rob. talk about going off the rails. There are no rails, <laughs> man. We're just boom. Hey, Rob. Anywho. You're, uh, you're very uh, scratchy. Can we, Rob? Your yeah. uh, mic gets on your beard there. And, and yeah, your, your beard's bristly. Very scratchy. Yeah, that's good. Very that's good. Not... <laughs> nice. Now everybody, now very everybody nice. Hear me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's, cool. let's expand Thank a little you. bit beyond um, the creating new worlds. When you do this, how much. Um, example let's put it this way how much science fiction are you guys going to add to your world and is it enough to take us into fantasy or is it grounding us still in your world uh scott and and rory talk a little bit about the technology of your world and how far you're going to go go for it Rory. well (laughs) uh, sorry go ahead no go ahead all right so in our in our uh, deep dives into the libraries of 
Philadelphia, Pittsburgh? Uh, not Pittsburgh. Not Pittsburgh. Not Pittsburgh. No, no, I don't know. <laughs> hey, you wrote most of it. <laughs> Even when we when we first started, we knew technology was going to be such a heavy handed thing because when you think steampunk, you know, crazy technology yeah. stuff. And mm-hmm, like Scott mm-hmm. said a hundred times before, we want to make it just barely in the beginning, just barely more. Meh, I don't want to say convenient than a horse, but things will break down. It's the the burgeoning, it's the birthing of steampunk. So technology will be slow to start and then pick up steam. But all of the crazy <laughs> weaponry you think of, uh, it did exist. Like Gatlin guns existed in the 1700s. There was a patent for them in England. But when you think Gatlin gun, you think oh, Civil War. They were just too ex- expensive to manufacture. <laughs> Rick's got you there. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but wait, Richard, Richard Dunn said, Rick check. We, we didn't cross the Ohio. Yeah, Richard Dunn, Steve Pierre, VIP. You do reference General, uh, not, you, George Washington near the Ohio. Don't Google it. Which, which river? <laughs> Battle of the what when he was younger? Richard Dunn. Hmm, Battle of the what? Ooh. Oh, geographically, oh, close, is geographically a, close to the Ohio River. French and Indian he was not a general, and he was not uh, fighting lieutenant? for America. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, Rory, if I could pick up. Oh, you're, yeah. You're talking about, Please. We, yeah, we wanted, we wanted so we, if, if it's all established in the 1800s, in the, in the general accepted steampunk mm-hmm. world, um, back up, sure. we're going to have these machines. Um, just think of, like, any, any beginning of the automobile or beginning of, uh, you know, who knows what, what sort of, they're, they're just like, or, or motorcycles, uh, uh, thank you, Rick. Um, the <laughs> the um, beginning, like, yeah, yeah. You think, you think of motorcycles and, and automobiles at the turn of the century through through World War One in the 1920s. Everybody was slapping a motor on a bicycle or yeah. on a frame, and they were doing three wheels, two wheels, four wheels. They were putting <clears throat> baskets on them, um, and so, so like right now, I mean, in our real world, electric motors are going in anything that has wheels. Yeah. They're putting them on every motorcycle, every car. They're trying to make anything. Yeah. So so sooner or later, though, it'll all you know, we'll get down to what's what works. So we wanted a world where people are putting boilers on carriages. People are running their mill with a boiler. People are, um, you know, have a, they've got their hybrids, their horse boiler hybrid um, uh, with, with the, the braking power to power the steam of the horses. I don't know. Um, but, but what we didn't want to do is we didn't want to get too wacky in, in the sci-fi world. And, right. and I love it. I love steampunk. I love sci-fi. But, you know, sometimes you've got that steam-powered jetpack. <clears throat> Yeah, how's, how's, that, that? how's it happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how is mm-hmm. that? I, That's a little too be, sci-fi. Right, we want it to be just past, you know, uh, it'll, it, practical. Right, but where people can say, okay, how is that working? But I get you, it's not too far in the realm of, of fantastic. Um, but we don't okay. want to, to, okay. to, to jump the technological shark where it's like, what? You know, how it's not even anywhere near possible. So, Techno shark. Well, I, I, well, that... that <laughs> That brings me to a serious question for Rory, and this is serious. Uh, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, African or European? <laughs> uh, I don't know that. Uh, <laughs> boom. <laughs> boom. I just wanted to throw that at you. Yeah, good. Um, good. So I, I like the fact that you guys are keeping it sort of under control you're not going to go off into yeah yeah, keeping it real no no la la land here no no craziness now barb i know that in your world other than divinity's powers i get the impression that it really is our world but are you taking in terms of 
cities, environments, uh, small towns, are you using real names uh, consistently or are you going to, you know, Gotham or New York City? How are you going to go well, with I'm actually that? using real cities. We start out in Stanford, Connecticut, and then we go to New okay. York. And right. um, okay. in, you'll see up in the next series, they're down south. And they're going to end up in a very tiny little town. And I won't name that town because bad Biloxi. things happen there. Yeah, well, no. But um, it'll be an unnamed little uh, backwater town because I, okay. I don't want to okay. smear the name of an actual town. But um, oh, uh, it, they'll travel through real, real places, um, you know, motels staying and so people can actually you know kind of track them um oddly enough they're kind of meandering their way towards new orleans i don't know what that's going to mean eventually but we'll find out we could do a divinity mm. road trip mm. yeah we could we could do a yeah i mean it, it's interesting how new orleans uh, plays uh, a role in your story because you know you worked on cat and mouse for a while and you've said before you like the city because it has a mystery to it as a mystique i should say to it the problem um, the problem that that my trio is running into is that with this worldwide cabal they're keeping an eye out on everything and, and they're just now beginning to realize that it's much more widespread than they had originally uh thought it was i mean they have mm -hmm. no idea what mm -hmm. they've gotten into. And they're beginning to realize that this cabal has got eyes and ears everywhere. So if they go into the larger cities, there's more eyes. There's more, there's more um, cameras on them, you know, remote cameras and ATMs and uh, crooked cops and stuff like that. But if they get into a too small town, they also stand out like a sore thumb. If, if you guys have ever gone into a very tiny town, but everybody knows each other, uh, you'll know exactly mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. Oh, like my country, Vinny. Yeah. <laughs> strangers in town. Yeah. Right. That, what that, the youth? Yep. That also brings Utes. unwanted attention to them. So they're trying to walk a fine line between too small and too large, because no matter what they do, if it's too small, they've got eyes on them. If it's too large, they've got eyes on them. They're trying to wind their way safely uh, between the larger and the smaller towns. I always love the, uh, the, the story of the, the entire, you know, it's like everybody against your hero or heroes. I love that. Like like mm -hmm. the fugitive, you know, that I think it's... It, it's, it's very much based on the fugitive. Creates just such a great amount of peril mm -hmm. that there's nowhere to turn. I love mm -hmm. it. I love that. Yeah. And, and yeah. especially now with mm -hmm. the modern, when you add the modern element, I mean, like, like oh yeah! Show and then the, the movie. Enemy of the state. Yeah, that, you got that perfect. Or, well, like um, Minority mm -hmm. Report. He could be the privacy. Yeah. Yeah. There's no privacy. Everybody with a with a cell phone. Exactly. You yeah. know, you I would always you tell my guys: pictures are evidence, not memories. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. they're they're really trying to stay off the radar, <laughs> yeah. but everybody and their dog has got a cell phone nowadays, mm -hmm. and and she's gonna eventually pop up on the internet. So. Well, uh, right. Uh, oh yeah. Spider Man, the most the the, the last movie. It's like instant. He's uh, mm -hmm. all the phones are on him, all the news mm -hmm. cameras, the helicopters, mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Bro. Oh, so, that's good. That's I like that. Now, uh, John, yes, sir. Tell us a little bit about the the technology in Sniper and Rook. Um, are you yes. going to go? How far are you going to go into sci-fi? I should throw that out there. 
Uh, actually, it's almost like you planned this one because this Kickstarter throws it massively into sci-fi. So the first five issues, okay. you know, okay. the first five issues, my original story, uh, 100% espionage, espionage, spy, government, conspiracy stuff. And then issue six went into <laughs> aliens and monsters and, you know, scientists, oh my. Um, it, was, it was really, really a crazy bend. And that was still grounded here, you know, and there was some regular humanity stuff going on at the time. Uh, but then with this three-issue miniseries that's launching tomorrow, um, that takes issue six as the starting point. Not that anybody has to read issue six to understand what's going on, um, but if you do, that's cool. And it runs it into sci-fi, big time. Okay. Like, like by okay. the end of this issue, you may go, are they even going to be on Earth anymore? All right, so it opens oh, wow. up some okay. doors right. for people to go, where is he going with this? Um, like I mentioned, Area 51, you know, the most well-known mm-hmm. top secret location, sure. you know, on the planet. And, mm-hmm. you know, Roswell, mm-hmm. New Mexico, Sniper and Rook, and I'll just give a little preview here, um, wind up at that base for a reason. And there's a scientist that's kind of nice. walking him through a lab. And I tied mm-hmm. intentionally some truth into some lies with um he's kind of got stuff set up in a display um formaldehyde bodies and if anybody knows uh who had the first satellite in orbit around the earth anybody history you did it was the soviets so soviets had sputnik, sputnik? it was sputnik. Sputnik. and it was not manned sputnik. you know the second sputnik that went off actually had a dog l-a-i-k-a <laughs> i can't pronounce it like like um, my twist the scientist actually shows that that wasn't sputnik 2 with that dog that sputnik 2 was a failure crashed that dog oh. died who he also has in formaldehyde that dog's name einstein so any idea where I got a dog oh. named Einstein from? Hmm. Maybe along with my I'm kind of playing with some fun there. So it's like, but then the Soviets didn't want to admit that one of their things crashed. They launched another one immediately. That came back down successfully with the dog alive, Lakia. And that one they only said was Sputnik 2. So he's, I'm taking you know real history with some sci-fi. And mm-hmm. making it okay. what's true in my world, um, but where the characters are going to go from here, it's this story is going to take them places they have not been before. So, yeah. Are you going to address? It sounds really cool. Are you going to address the the leaders by name? Like, uh, you know, are the is the president going to be the president? Is or are the you know president of the Soviet Union going to be? I mean, how are you going to deal with the actual historical figures? The uh, I when I first created Sniper and Rook, it was very reality based to the point where okay. um, you know the president there there is a president who is a central figure from issue one. Then okay. there is the first lady who is a central figure from issue three or four on. <laughs> Um, and then you have the Russian Duma or the Soviet Duma, which is basically like their, um, their Congress, you know? So I, uh, and the premier, uh, the Soviet premier, all of the names have been changed to protect me. Oh, okay. So okay. my, my yes. issue, my <laughs> issue three ends on a cliffhanger with one okay. of the named people that I just named 
but they were mm-hmm. actually the artist drew it as a real life political person Ooh. and i wow and, that's how okay. i wrote it and i'm looking at this i'm like there's gonna be a knock on my door in the mm. middle of the night <laughs> and i don't know if i want to go to some like off-site prison in the czech republic so if we stop hearing from john pretty soon <laughs> so i i took it to my other I took it to one of my other artist buddies before I went to press. And I'm like, yeah, Brian, can you like put some like glasses on her and, uh, <laughs> you know, make her look a little bit different. So like, I'm not like, you know, getting called by the popo. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, uh, there are some stand-ins, you know, uh, if people want to read into, they may read it one way. They may read it another, uh, which is very, very cool. You know, mm-hmm. in education, you know, I'm an educator. Um, I love my professors that would always bash both sides where it was deserved. Um, I never preach like one side over the other. So some people will go, oh, he's bashing the left or, oh, he's bashing the right. Read into it however you want to read it as long as you enjoy it. That's all I care about. I just want to make as it a buy story. It. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, buy it and enjoy it. As long as you buy it. Thing. So, you know, so along with that being, that's where, you know, a lot of the stuff is going to be surrogates um, as opposed to Good. named people and actual. also, yeah. And if I use actual people, so let's say, let's say I did Nixon, right? Let's say I chose Nixon okay. that dates my piece. Okay. Now that puts it, yeah, it in does. the 60s, mm-hmm. 70s. There's no breaking from that. Yeah. You know, even if it's like Nixon oh, yeah. the third, you know, you know like his <laughs> kid's kid, right. you know, um, it still puts it in a thing, a uh, time period I don't want. So, you know, uh, Soviet premier Ryskov was the Soviet premiere in my five-issue first story. There's no such dude by okay. that name. Um, you know, President yeah. Kelly is the president that's in Sniper and Rook, you know, the series. There's nobody by that name. Mm-hmm. Um, KGB is led by a gentleman named Alexei Reznikov. There's nobody by that name. Those are all copyright and trademark me at this point. Uh, but, you know, Yay. those people don't exist. You're going to get a lawsuit in the mail uh, right. from Alexei Reznikov yes. one day. <laughs> uh, there, there, uh, yes. uh, apparently there was a young lady. There was a young lady in the Duma, uh, the Duma who had a name very similar or the same as one of the uh, the double agent spies that shows up, Adena Lova Petronova. Uh, but yeah, it's not based on her, I swear. So, she a yeah. tennis player? What about, okay... This is this. Uh, yeah, it is. This is open. Um, but since since you're telling us uh, about yours, John, let, let's start with you. Um, we have addressed previous in previous episodes uh, the proclivities of some directors, uh, James Gunn, who relies way too heavily on pop culture music to sell his uh, uh, concepts. Um, do you ever think of since you're doing sort of a semi-real world thing do you ever use like pop music or pop culture references like a a film billboard in the background or music Mm. playing you know some some writers will add music playing on on the radio or or in a club do you plan to use any distinct pop culture like that i've uh it's it has shown up and it actually shows up in a future issue that is slated I, I've got about a dozen issues that have to go before I could use this other one that's been penciled in inked and it's beautiful and gorgeous and done by a very talented gentleman who will remain nameless for now because uh, I want to drop that bomb mm-hmm. when it comes. Um, but mm-hmm. yes, there are absolutely been references. So like I mentioned, aha, being the first words in yeah. the original Sniper and Rook. Um, Sniper mm-hmm. and Rook are dispatched to the Soviet Union. 
to try to take care of, you know, the political issue going on in that first issue or the mm-hmm. first story arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're casing the KGB, uh, um, KGB, uh, KGB headquarters, uh, the Kremlin. All right. Uh, so they're, they're out there at night casing the joint, you know, trying to look like a couple. And there is a Soviet guard <laughs> that comes up to them and they're like, what are you doing here? And then, you know, Rook, you know, and so I usually write them more as Jack and Rebecca than Sniper and Rook because they spend more time in civilian garb than, you know, with masks on because, uh, you know, spies. Right. And so she's yeah, like, yeah. oh, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, and of course, they had a camera. You know, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, we're just here scouting locations for a Kylie Minogue video. Which I use because I love Kylie Minogue, right? You do? And so, oh, wow. and, 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 oh, and then man. the guard busts out. He's like, "Oh my god!" You know, and, and she goes, and she claimed to be Kylie's manager, right? And she and the guard's like, "Oh my oh. god, Kylie Minogue, I love her. Anything that you need, you know, let me know." Uh, what are the which, chances of that guard which, loves uh, Kylie exactly, Minogue? Right? But it comes to your <laughs> right? butt. At the end of issue two, yeah, that's when that's you know, good. like when that's they run good. into him again, it's just it, it was amazing fun to do. Um, if anybody and hopefully all of our listeners and uh watchers bought the Silver Lion Christmas book, um, there is a hidden Kylie reference in my story, <laughs> it's on one of the reindeer's uh, what's it called? Uh, Collars. Yeah, so uh, no, the collar. So that was kind of oh, uh, but yeah, you know, so there's there have been some pop culture references. Um, the one that's done by the artists in the future, if anybody remembers one of the best TV shows that's been on in a long time, spy related to called The Americans, which is also based yeah. upon reality where there were Soviets that were mm-hmm. undercover in the United States acting like married husband and wife. Uh, very much true. Yeah. Uh, I have scenes that are taking place in the Soviet Union where there's a bus stop with a billboard. With, you know, a version of that artwork from that promo piece. And instead of saying the Americans underneath, it says the people's heroes. So, you know. Nice. Yeah. So okay. There, All there right. are some things if you look we, for them. We have a comment. Uh, that anyone, oh, Ooh. we got some. What, uh, um, is that, is that here, uh, right? Dana saying? I'm not oh, real they're sure. after you. They're after yeah, you now. They yeah. Yeah. I think they already know. Uh, you hit that algorithm. We have a Soviet... We're we have gonna have to. I, I want to throw that in a Google uh, Translate. I've, I've got a yeah, I know, right? um, um, Before before yeah. I go, I, I do have to go. We, uh, we've got a. Uh, I'm picking no, up no. a Steam Patriots fan. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, uh, Paige um, is flying from England to the United States oh. to Buffalo International Airport. Um, so I got to go um, welcome her to the United States and uh, pick her up. Excellent. So it'll be a great fun evening. Um, Nerd stuff before I go. Uh, Rob, way back you were talking yes. about Star Trek stuff. we got to always throw our Star Trek references. I got an Oculus VR for Christmas for the family, and I played Bridge Crew. If you want to geek out on Star Trek stuff, you after your first mission, you unlock the original Enterprise or the Enterprise D. You can be the helmsman or, or ops or the captain or engineering. It's crazy cool. It's crazy cool. Bridge crew is awesome. It so that's my that's my 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 geek out moment for the evening. And, okay. Um, John, sir, you're you're. I can't wait to read your comic. Uh, Thank you, sir. Tonight or tomorrow, rather, it's going to be launching. Um, maybe, maybe a little earlier. Right. Um, Roland does so, some crazy stuff. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Richard Dunn, mm-hmm. no, you are mm-hmm. go back to the uh, Greater Ohio River Valley um, and a young George Washington. Um, with, uh, uh, it's a, you've, you've been there. I know you have, we've, we visited it together. Um, so, Hey, 
everybody, I got to bounce. I'm off to uh, Buffalo International Airport on a beautiful uh, January evening in Buffalo. And love you all. And uh, make mine silver line. Good seeing you, Scott. See you guys later. Adios. See you, man. What a better time. All right. So um, here, here's a question for you. Thank Is it? And there's gone. no right or wrong answer here, but I want I want people to. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone. Now we can talk about it. Now. Talk freely. Uh, <laughs> talk freely now. Um, okay. I want you guys to take on um, how do you feel about iconoclastic world building? I'll tell you what I mean by that. Um, what if you brought a song or a reference that is not consistent with the time period? I'll use an example. A very popular film in the early 2000s with Heath Ledger was oh, something. It was a, a movie a about knights, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We will tale. rock you. Exactly. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, and they used a lot they of like queen. modern pop music. Okay, yep. so I, I want people's takes on that <clears throat> approach. And starting uh, with you, Rory, since you brought up uh, Queen in a Night's Tale, go. How do you feel I about that? I think about it works that? great as long as they're consistent. or And as long as you can, okay. I, don't, I don't want to say balance, but merge the time period sounds, like those medieval, okay. th- those classic medieval notes you hear. Uh, like we were, we were talking about Kingdom of Heaven. And the music, right? The right. The music and the arrangement of it had to meet because, like, the original yes. chants didn't sound anything like it, but they had those medieval tones to it. Things that are, that are again in our collective memory of what the medieval times sound like. What did the music sound like then? And then you have right. people that like the right. Witcher come along and just blow it out of the water. It doesn't make any kind of sense at all. But fantasy world. <laughs> But as long as Fantasy they world. can, right. as long as they can balance that, the usage of the two, I think it could work extraordinarily well, like a Knight's Tale. Okay, okay, all right. Um, what about uh, what about you, Rob? Thoughts um, on using? What comes to? Yeah, what comes to mind immediately for me is Lady Hawk. Ooh, good one. Yes, yes. You, know what I'm, you know what I'm good talking one. about? Yeah, yeah. Where oh, it's yeah. A lot of electronic yeah. music. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds very, very, uh, it's almost dated now because of that, unfortunately. But it's got uh, uh, Parsons Project, mm-hmm. that guy. The, the guy that yes. Parsons Project. Yes. Yeah, Alan Parsons. Yeah, Alan Parsons. I couldn't think of yeah. his first name. Yeah. And uh, he did mm-hmm. the soundtrack mm-hmm. for that. And it's mm-hmm. mostly uh, synthesizer. Which but, is, what, well, that's a very yeah. 80s thing. But that was, that was what he did with it, yeah. he, gave it, he gave it a real orchestral sound. Yes. So it, it worked in that respect. I think it gave the mm-hmm. the whole thing a, a different kind of feel. It uh, it kind of pulled it out of. <laughs> it wasn't so heavily stuck in, you know, the, the 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 time period. It looked like it it was in it. It kind of pulled it out of that and put it in a completely different space, uh, which which worked real well for me. I thought it, it, that's mm-hmm. that's a real okay. good example. I think of where it's done really well. Uh, I, I haven't yes. I haven't seen a Knight's Tale all the way through, but mm. I'll tell you when I first heard the uh, the pop music sound in it, I went. It, it took me out of the story. Yes. So really, that's, yeah. and that's that's not a good thing. You don't want to do mm. that. No. But the uh, the 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 music in uh, Lady Hawk didn't <laughs> do that because he because he found that right balance. It's Order a tough balance to find. Yeah. But that's that's what came immediately to mind when you said that. Yeah, that's a good example. 
I have to agree that I, if we're going to do a period piece, I would like to, I prefer it to tend towards more towards the authentic. Mm -hmm. um, uh, either use authentic um, musical instruments or at least try to mimic it sort of. Uh, yeah. The Knight's Tale mm -hmm. was that sort of thing completely throws me out of the story. Yeah, it, it drew me right out That's of it. Now, I haven't seen the whole thing, but but I've yeah. seen, I saw portions of it, and when that popped up, I went. Mm, that's one. Yeah, kind of. That, that's it, the danger. It's with distracting. The, uh, it can be distracting. Yes, yes, it, is. it was it's in this case. Yeah, at least that, for me. So the uh, the but, suspension of disbelief is essential. Yeah, for I lost that movie or reading. A I book. lost that. And yeah. you know, um, my take on it, it didn't pull me out of the movie. You know, I think you know, to answer Dean's question, good or bad, the answer is yes. Um, I think it really depends on the piece itself. And I'm not talking the musical piece. I'm talking actually like the movie or the, you know, right. the piece of writing. Because if you have something a little bit more absurd, where you get something kind of left out of the left field like that, you're already kind of in an absurd kind of world. So more absurdity just makes sense. So, you know? right. but if it's so really historically grounded, and then you get that, it's like that's going to knock you right out. Right. That's a good. That's a good point. A tone has a lot to do with whether pop music or current culture is successful in the world building. So, for example, I'll throw something out at you. If you were doing, let's say, a fantasy story, right? But the tone of it was not serious fantasy like Peter Jackson's take on Lord mm -hmm. of the Rings, let's say you were doing more Princess Bride version of fantasy, then it would be okay to throw in like Stairway to Heaven, right, in the background, right? Because then you go, okay, well, it's kind of <clears throat> like winking and nodding to the audience. Princess right? Bride yeah, was satire right. anyway. Yeah. Right, right, right. It wasn't, right. It wasn't, it wasn't so pretending to be true to life anything serious right and then and see but then you have marvel doing this with stories that are supposed to be grabbing us and bringing yeah. us into the drama like thor uh mm -hmm. ragnarok, ragnarok. You know, they're, they're, that, that's safe there's it. a split yeah. belief on that right so some people are like oh that's such a heavy subject he took it completely out of a different window and made it more comedic in order to make it in a way more believable because if you tried to do that in a dark serious way it would be very very difficult to sustain that level of dark drama for two hours right mm -hmm. so he brings in and starts us out with you know zeppelin immigrant song right at the very beginning yeah, and you so know good. what you're in for for so the rest good. of the movie right so it, it works in that in that particular format but i have friends who loathe that they're like it's it's Thor Ragnarok. It's the end of the world for crying out loud. Why do they turn it into a comedy? So again, you, you're going to alienate some and then bring and some people. With in. that, it really comes down to balance, you know. And and I hope that nobody will yeah. like pass on my Kickstarter for what I'm about to say. Um, I am not <laughs> a Zeppelin fan. 
I'm out. And I know that our CEO. There goes my bucks. I know that our Lord and Master is a Zeppelin fan because he named uh, different issues of some of his books after Zeppelin titles. That's kind of where I got that idea from. But yeah, so, but I liked and actually loved the use of immigrant songs in Thor because I thought it fit great. Um, I was surprised they used the song twice to tell you the truth. You know, but it fit in both scenes, so yeah. it was great. It, sure. it was a great fit. It's um, that callback. It's it's right. it's yeah. how you make the movie, and and yeah. that side scrolling with it. I mean, it fit the time period that they yep. were trying to mimic. It, it fits it. Yeah. yeah. So I uh, yeah. I thought, but if I, thought I was that doing that was a say, great use, right. So it depends on the tone. So that brings us to to this as we as we get close to wrapping up here. I want everyone's take on the tone of your world. How important is it for you guys to establish that tone, do you believe? And how do you, how do, you do that? Uh, Rory, I'm going to start with you. When you're ready to establish the tone of your world, how do you do it? Well, if we're just talking about the comic format, you are mm-hmm. heavily yeah. relying on colors and how it's drawn. Mm-hmm. So we have that, that much more sketchy incomplete looking it's very uh, yes i don't want to say colonial i don't want to say ancient like it's being constructed almost and that's that's yes. that's, that's what yes. we're going for like our technology like we said is just burgeoning at, at the beginning you're following along not only with the storyline but as the technology progresses so yeah i mean you're heavily relying on color so that's good is, that's a good call uh, scott scott kilberg says Good evening, team. Logged in just now. Hello, Barb. Hi. <laughs> he might be related to me. <laughs> might be. In some might way. Be. Hey, Scott. Not, you're, you're not going to place ownership. Welcome. On this. All the Kelbergs are related. <laughs> uh, so, what about what about you, Barb? Um, in, as far as establishing tone. How do you do that with your uh, with divinity? What is is it color like Rory saying? Is it visual? Is it dialogue? Is it how do you how do you do it? Well, first of all, I wanted to go with a clean classic style, something that would appeal across the board. I didn't want to be archaic, you know, like going back to the 1940s style, but I wanted it to be clean and simple, um, and classy, you know. So. That was the first tone I set. I wanted it to be accessible across the board to everybody. I wanted the story to be mm-hmm. accessible. I wanted the art mm-hmm. to be accessible. So I went with a, mm-hmm. a simpler look, a cleaner look. Um, and it's not too dark in color. Um, and it's not mm-hmm. gonna be it's not gonna be too bloody in content. Uh, it's not gonna be okay. childish by any means because there there's Definitely, no. there's definitely some violence, and there's not some, and uh, some questionable violence at that. But well, the violence that does happen isn't going to be close up and bloody. Um, okay. There's going to okay. be some morally ambiguous stuff, but again, uh, I think most people can relate. You know. Yeah. It's it's going to be for yeah. a reason. So it, I wanted to go for a classic, classy style, and that's kind of the tone okay. that I sent that I set something that, um, like I said, totally relatable, whether you're 
uh, a child, uh, a woman, a man, uh, it, it doesn't matter. It's going to, it's going to be relatable for anybody. That's good. That's good. Rob, what about you when you're, I know from an artist's point of view, for us, it's more about, you know, accuracy to the reference of the time and place and so on. But if you're drawing the backgrounds for a horror story versus Star Trek, how are you going to change your approach if you do at all? Uh, more black. I pull, I'll put a lot more blacks okay. in. Mm-hmm. A lot more, lot more uh, okay. shadows and and, yeah, uh, and, okay. Yeah, yeah. You, you want to give it uh, the shadows dark, deeper and darker, and uh, the angles. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. You know, never. You don't do more you dramatic. Try not to do too much of this. You Higher you, you start you know uh-huh. giving all kinds of angles inside of it, so it's so it's jaggy and it takes it keeps the keeps the the viewer and the reader off balance. You want them to feel like oh okay. that's flashlight. You want them to have. Yeah, you want them to have Hamsters. a little bit of a the hair on the back of their neck should stand up. Mm-hmm. Uh, another Good. Good. another direction to go is when you first mentioned this, it, it came to mind that the the the, uh, the book I worked on uh, with R. A. Jones at first was Simidar. and the first story ah, we did yeah, was rather Simidar. rather serious and 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 very dark, and, uh, mm-hmm. and and I was trying to I was feeling my way through that. But the second story uh, w- was called Feast and Famine. And the characters in that were, were just outrageous, completely outrageous. So I drew them more cartoony. Those two, now, the regular characters stayed the same. But, everyone, but those two guys who were the bad guys in it, I drew them you know, over the top. They were more cartoony mm-hmm. looking. So there was mm-hmm. that going on. Mm-hmm. Now the backgrounds and everything else stayed the same. Uh, it, it, in in some cases, I went a little more cartoony as well. But that was that was to kind of uh, to contrast the fact these guys were cannibals. Oh, okay. <laughs> they were okay. They were they were okay. cannibals, but they were but they were dumb. <laughs> they were you know mm-hmm. they were just really mm-hmm. dumb. And uh, so I I had to, I didn't want to do them seriously. Uh, because number right. one, they were cannibals, and number two, they were dumb. So I wanted to, I wanted to make right. them a more, more comedic. Now we got some bad comments sure. because of that, but I'm going. I, it, I expected it. I expected people to go. Well, what did you do them so you know like that for? Because this was a different kind of story, uh, and and that's kind of like the way Ra writes. Is you'll think he's yeah. being really serious. And then suddenly you'll get to this section and it's just, it's hilarious. It's satirical yeah, and, yeah. and he's really yeah. poking it really hard. So in this particular mm-hmm. case, I really wanted to emphasize that with the way these two characters looked. I wanted them to be over the top. So you would get, get the fact that we're, we're poking fun at something here. Uh, and, and so you would get that point across. So it's, it's a matter of, of just having the right, and I say this over and over again, because I fly by the seat of my pants doing storytelling and what I come up with. It's, it's whatever feels right at that time. That, that's, that's what mm-hmm. I go for. Uh, and it, I feel it's when I overthink things, it gets stiff and, you know, it, it just doesn't work as well. It's a lot more fluid if you just kind of go with the flow. So... Well, so um, 
you're saying you're saying that no that that all makes good sense you're saying that good. a combination good. of more more sh- more shadows if if it's a darker t- uh, story tone but also caricature if the characters call for that you're not opposed yeah. to going full on on caricature no, no. and I, and i obviously i've done it uh, but yeah I, yes yeah so and i i've done everything from that's good. saturday that's morning good. cartoon looking stuff to uh, I haven't done I haven't done uh, uh, talking animals yet. <laughs> but oh, well, I, have, I haven't done that either. I haven't done yeah, that. Yeah, either. that would be kind of fun. So actually, no, I take that back. I did do one. It was uh, Eben for Now Comics. I did one issue of that. Oh. The, the talking raven. You know, it wore he wore oh. a big cowboy hat. Yeah, I, that was all. Gosh, that was a long time ago. Did they? Did you actually get paid from comics? Because I actually yeah, did. That's what I was Oh, actually, I, I had to threaten. I had to threaten with a threaten a lawsuit to get it. But yeah, I got paid. Well, I I got paid. Wow. For all but my I got paid for all but my last project, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. they stiffed me. But that's the only yeah, time I've ever been probably, stiffed. Well, I, I I hate to admit it, they, you you probably didn't get paid because I did. Oh well, you know, I, I think that <laughs> the, money drink. Was, the money was gone by then. I think I know so, it was. Uh, yeah. it, it, they spent well, it all reached that trips down to Bermuda. They spent it on <laughs> lawsuits, <laughs> is what they did. They spent it yeah. on legal fees. Well, after a while, um, yeah. we uh, guys, we are at the point of the show where we. Uh, we have a surprise, and Uh-oh. I'm going to be adding our uh, fearless leader and uh, his <laughs> associates to the stream right now because uh, we we oh have goodness. we have some special uh, special announcements. Uh, Roland and Tommy and Haley, welcome to the broadcast tonight. Uh, Roland, I hear you have a special announcement. Yeah, you were supposed tonight. to play the video first, dude. You uh, yeah, but you were supposed to... Because... No, no, you were supposed to tell me where the video is. That's <laughs> I never saw the video. It's under all the other video clips. Oh, man. It's hard to get what, good videos. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Isn't it terrible? Thank you for listening to the Silverline Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We know we ramble sometimes, but we have fun. And after all, isn't that what comics are all about? We hope you'll follow us on all our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Reddit, MeWe, Gab, and whatever new thing pops up between now and the time you listen to us. Please like, follow, share, and remember, make mine Silverline.